Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. Interesting show today. Uh, we're going to be talking to Steve and Tim Seeley. The Seeley brothers have collaborated before, but uh, one of their current projects out of Dark Horse, The Art of He-Man. It is a gigantic coffee table book celebrating the masters of the universe. And there's incredible art in there, as you're going to hear in this conversation, as far as uh, the prototypes that led to the He-Man design, the conceptual art, uh, various comic and animation creators over the years that have uh, contributed to He-Man, uh, both after the fact, after they were famous, and also, you know, moving up the chain of their career. Really amazing book. And uh, I just think I was not a He-Man person. Kind of came right after, you know, I was in high school. So I really wasn't interested in the cartoon. But I absolutely respect all the fans of He-Man over the years, and I get it. And uh, also just an amazing toy and animation uh, phenomenon that uh, is right up there with G.I. Joe and some of the other great iconic toys. So it was fun to talk about that. In addition to that, both Seelys have so many other projects going on. Uh, Steve is uh, the co-creator of Hoax Hunters with Mike Morisi. And uh, recently, uh, Heavy Metal has taken over the publishing of Hoax Hunters. So we talk about that with Steve. Tim talks to us about uh, Deadpool versus Thanos and uh, the new Grayson uh, series that is doing so well. The series he co-writes with Tom King. And uh, given the... Uh, current status quo in Batman that obviously impacts the life of Dick Grayson and it changes the direction of the Grayson book so we talk about that and just get into a fun conversation of course revival as well uh, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy today's conversation here on Word Balloon Word Balloon is brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners thank you as always for your support if uh, you'd like to contribute and uh, help me out in what I'm doing here at Word Balloon uh, you can go to patreon.com slash Word Balloon uh, Word Balloon is a free product. It will always be free. But if you want to help me out, that's the place to go. And thank you for your support. And as I always tell you, the best way you can help me out with Word Balloon, let a friend know that you like the show, you like the interviews here, they might as well. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. There are amazing deals going on at InStock Trades. So we mentioned Grayson. Spiral is available at 50% off. It's just $11.49. And I'm telling you, this uh, Grayson series, as we talk about in the interview, massively great surprise. And one of the really great books that uh, DC was even putting out before uh, Convergence and now the new direction that a lot of DC books will be going in. You can also get the Marvel Universe Ant-Man Digest. Perfect size for Ant-Man. 50% off. It's just $4.99. How about this Marvel Masterworks? Not Brand Eck. Man, I'm telling you, that's going to feature some great stuff from uh, Gene Colan and Jack Kirby, Marie Severin. Uh, it's such an excellent Silver Age, uh, fun parody book. And uh, it really does capture that Mad Magazine spirit because it was contemporary with Mad back in the 60s. Not Brand Eck. The Masterworks is uh, 50% off. It's just $34.99. Lots of other great books are waiting for you at InStockTrades.com. Check it out for yourself. We'll tell you more great deals at the end of the show. Now, let's uh, begin our conversation with the Seeley Brothers. This is uh, recorded live in Chicago. I took uh, the remote uh, recorder out to Four Star Studios. And uh, nice uh, space that uh, Tim and Mike Norton have with Sean Dove and uh, Josh Emmons and a few other uh, squatters over the years. Chris Burnham used to uh, do his work over there. Jenny Frizen on occasion still does work over there. And I'm sure Steve occasionally will come over and collaborate. And that's where I found Steve and Tim Seeley on a Tuesday night. 
and uh, we had a great conversation, and I'm happy to share it with you now on Word Balloon. Okay, I'm live in Four Star Studios, and uh, Mike Norton and Sean Dove are in the background, so they might sneak into the conversation. They're more than welcome to, but I prim- I primarily came here to talk <laughs> to the Sealy Brothers. That's what he said. If you couldn't, yeah. if the microphone didn't pick it up. <laughs> But uh, I've got the Sealy Brothers here. It's those Sealy Boys again. They're at it again. <laughs> We're shaking our fists at them in the neighborhood. Yeah. Tim and Steve, good to see you guys. Good, good to see you, man. Good to see you, Jeff. Uh, hilariously, when we were kids, we were such good kids, no one ever said... Those Sealy Boy, like that, we were like so. Tarnation! Exactly. Yeah, it well, never Rick, happened. We didn't have one of those in our neighborhood, did we, though? Yeah, um, Rick Jensen. Oh, Rick, yeah, but he was, yeah. Because he would shoot bow and arrows up in the air and then run. He'd be like, run! And then we'd all run and scatter because yeah. an arrow was going to come uh, rocketing down out of the sky and stab someone in the head. But other than that, we, everybody was good. Yeah. We were boring. No, well, apparently you guys were conspiring, and uh, finally a dream comes true because <laughs> your love of action figures finally gets recognized, and there's actually a representation in book form. Yeah, no kidding, right? The He-Man book. Yeah. What is it? What's the title of the He-Man it's, book? Uh, officially, it's Art of He-Man and Masters of the Universe. There you go. From Dark Horse Publishing. You know, I, I read uh, Annie Mangle and uh, Lou Schneider's um, book about filmation, yeah, yeah which yeah. is excellent. And it has a lot of really amazing He-Man art, not only from uh, promotion of the series itself, but also like various you know comic book people that have oh, yeah, yeah. you know drawn He-Man over yeah, the years sure. and stuff. Him and all, you know, a lot of the guys, Stan Sakai, uh, Mark Texiera, yeah. a lot of them no, started out certainly. doing the yeah, a lot of them started out doing. Um, you know, work on that. It was it was like such a massive you know property, at, at, so there was tons of extra work going on at the time. So you know, Stephen Grant wrote the comics. Don Glute actually was the guy who did the backstory and came up with the names. Yeah. Now, okay, did did Glute do that for Mattel or did yeah. okay, yeah? Because you know, years ago around comics, actually had uh, Glute on, and everyone sh- listening to this, I was on if, there. Yeah. If yeah, I was going to say if you got if I forgot about that. If you guys uh, who are listening and women, if you're interested. The She-Ra fans. Uh, if you want to hear the backstory and stuff, go back to Around Comics feed. I think they yeah, still have the feed out there. But yeah, you know, so, and shame on me that I haven't had glued on to talk about this. But yeah, tell, like, tell me what you know. Secondhand. You wrote the book. Well, it was funny because talking to Don, it was like kind of disheartening because he was like, yeah, I don't know, it was just paid for. It was just like I got paid for it. Yeah. Did you re-interview him for the book at all or no? We didn't because it was primarily an art book. Okay. Um, and so it was really sort of about... Um, the, the designs and stuff that went into making the figures, that went into making the cartoon, and then also a lot of the promotional and uh, marketing artwork, and then whatever sort of um, licensed products they had that they still had the artwork for. So it wasn't, I mean, there was a brief thing in the beginning where that you kind of see um, sort of the attempt, why they made the figure the way they did, why the design is the way it did. And there's some there is some information there, but we don't really go into why it's named the way it is or whatever. Um, it's sort of the earliest production art, a guy named Mark Taylor had done some sketches, uh, we included that. Some of the initial um, sculpts that they did where they cut up a bunch of, like, big gym figures and stuff uh, lying around the office and, and made them into what they, they were pitching the, this thing to be. But um, That's interesting, really. Yeah. Recycled big gym figures were the bl- building blocks of He-Man. Yeah. And then, you know, so... Big gym. Hilarious. Oh, and, and that's another Kirby connection, too, right? So, another Jack Kirby. Is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, he did a lot of the uh, promotional art in the, in the box art for big gym toys. Wow, that makes yeah. sense. It's... It's so kind of cleaned up, as I remember Big Jim yeah. stuff, that it doesn't look like Kirby stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, like I can kind of see it, but yeah. yeah, he did. I know. I know for a fact he did that. Uh, the ad that was always in comics back. Yeah, he did the know, comics. Like, okay, like okay. He did all the the art for the Big Jim. I actually, I want to say really, I do. Th- I want to say I think he did the box art. 
Uh, yeah, makes sense. I don't know, but I'm not positive about that. But yeah. Well, and so in the in the sort of genesis of the figures, you get to see the early sketches and sort of um, you know going through the process of designing figures, re- you know, figures that they rejected, early sculpts, and then you know the art book kind of follows different eras, and you know, so we go through the figures, the movie, the cartoon. Um, the mini comics, which are obviously an important part to us, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, and then there's at the end there's some stuff kind of uh, dealing with new products they're making and all kinds of stuff like that. So it's pretty it's a pretty comprehensive book. Like when we started out, how many pages was it? Well, I think it was originally it was supposed to be like maybe hundred and hundred and fifty ish, right? Yeah. And then I think towards the end, what is it now? Three twenty, three sixty, something. Yeah. Like that. So we. <laughs> And it was. I mean, it, we knew we knew from the get go. We're like, there's no way we're sticking to this. And there's mm-hmm. no way. Yeah. So. And Mattel was really cool about, and Dark Horse also, about finding stuff. We would say, like, we know you guys have this. You've got You've got to find this. And they would always come up with the <laughs> with the art. So. Yeah. That's a fair question too, because what does happen to this licensed art after the publishing deal is over? Where Where does the old stuff go? How many other How many publishers have had the He Man license yeah, over I mean, the years? That's actually an interesting thing too. Is the the reason this book took a while was that it? I think it, originally when Mattel had done the Master Universe stuff. They just scrapped all of the designs and stuff, and and they didn't yeah, no care. thought, no thought to posterity. Yeah, exactly. Why would it move on yeah. to the next toy? Yeah, exactly. who the fuck cares? Jimmy, you want to do it? Burn it. All right. Yeah. And all of that stuff too, like yeah. the filmation art. Um, a lot of the filmation cells were just sitting in a warehouse for for like thirty years. Um, you know, and it took. I think a, a lot of the art that you see is stuff that fans found and sort of preserved. And the Power and Honor Foundation, who we worked with with on the book. Um, is a, is a group of fans who who collect and maintain this stuff, and they they're they're a lot of the a lot of the stuff we got came from them, and a lot of it came from Mattel's archives because when they, I think when they recognized that you know this thing was a cultural phenomenon, they went back and tried to get some of this stuff <coughs> that they had you know just when, I think there was a, at one point the, Mattel moved offices in the early nineties. And they they literally just dumped. Well, they threw, yeah, they just threw stuff away. I, was, yeah. I remember, sure. like, yeah, like original, you know, uh, prototypes and stuff for toys and stuff like that, which just dumped, <sighs> just dumped. Yeah, and like you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, which and empo- is, a lot of the employees save stuff. So this is the know. first Hot Wheel. Do we want to do anything with it? Nah, yeah. shove it up your butt. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Just, <laughs> yeah, totally. And because I think exactly. that the the idea that this stuff was harder that anyone would care about it someday was sort of lost at that time. You yeah. know that. Um, I mean, I, I think a, and a lot of the employees kept the stuff not out of sort of thinking that it would be valuable, but more of just it was a symbol of something that they were very proud yeah, of. Sentimental, yeah, absolutely, sentimental. Absolutely, man. So, big project and everything. Yeah. Sure. So thank God that stuff all... So Mattel was oh, able God. to send us so many photos of stuff and um, kind of get in, in touch with some of the artists who had done art and get high-res scans, stuff that didn't exist, that had never been shot from the original since it was printed. So... Um, we were yeah, we were really lucky and really impressed with how much stuff they really get. Yeah. Does Mattel have more like iconic licenses like that? I mean, I'm trying. Bar- Barbie's Barbie, right? Barbie is Mattel, and Barbie is Mattel. Okay. In fact, I'm trying to yeah. yeah I mean, because like I, everything I'm thinking of is uh, Hasbro, obviously, in terms of and certainly your guys' association yeah. with Hasbro over the years. Yeah, I mean, uh, Barbie is kind of what obviously put them on the map, but um, and Hot Wheels, oh, right? And Hot Wheels, Mattel. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ghostbusters. The original, well, that was a filmation, actually. That's yeah, that's filmation. filmation. Yeah. yeah. 
But they Larry yeah, Storch yeah. and Forrest Tucker, the F yeah, Troop yeah. guys, and Bob Burns in the gorilla suit. Oh, yeah. God. The real Ghostbusters. The yeah. real Ghostbusters. Which yeah, yeah. is legit yeah, to yeah. say. Yeah. And I know that Lou Scheider got uh, paid for uh, yeah. the title because it's like, yeah, sorry. Yeah, we had <laughs> so, it first. Yeah. You know? Crazy. Um, but they. Um, uh, <laughs> Master oh, the, yeah, the, their first. Like it was the '80s was kind of a weird time because the government deregulated. There used to be a, a rule that a cartoon for kids couldn't have an associated toy line mm-hmm. um, because basically the idea was that you were manipulating and using kids to buy products. Yeah, yeah. Which is exactly what they did. Right. Because Reagan came in and deregulated a whole bunch of well. stuff. Um, <laughs> You know, you could have a half-hour cartoon commercial for toys. Absolutely, GI so, Joe certainly. Yeah, yeah everything. Well, everything, everything. Is, and, yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what these were. You know, no, and not to mention all the breakfast cereals and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Good guy. You know, even even inadvertent things like two-minute Captain Crunch commercials made by the Rocky and Bullwinkle animators and using the Rocky and Bullwinkle voices. Yeah. So it's just, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, believe me, and I was one of those five-year-olds. That's just another part of Bo- Rocky and Bullwinkle is right. Captain Crunch. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, man. So that stuff, you know, I think that that was the first opportunity you saw for something to go that, like, and there's no way you could ever re- recreate the success of Master of the Universe because it was so weird. They didn't, there didn't, there was no plan. They wanted to make a boys' toy line. They combined a bunch of stuff, you know, ideas they had for a Conan line, um, inspiration they had for doing a fourth world Jack Kirby line. Um, sort of, and they borrowed a lot from Big Jim. They did. Yeah, they borrowed, borrowed from, lot, Big Jim. from Big Jim. This is all. This is all in the room when they're yeah. putting this together. Oh, Those yeah, ideas absolutely. of absolutely. really yeah. doing a Kirby line and stuff like that. And so they ended up making something that you couldn't. It, there, there wasn't a lot of. Um, yeah, I think now I think everything is sort of test marketed to death. And at the time, they just kind of made this crazy thing. And and you know when it struck and when it became a, a cultural phenomenon, you know. You know, no one expected it to be as big. I mean, the, L.A. You know, had a He-Man day at one. Oh point. yeah, like so. You know, that's it's it's it, it's a thing that changed the way pop culture it was, and I, it, it's still not. I mean, it'll never be that way again either. Well, and I know Shimer uh, from Filmation had to fight uh, the government. And the lot, the lot, you know, whatever consumer yeah. groups are protecting children, and the way they change the laws. Did the was it that the cartoon was already in production before the law was enacted, or like because it really was? It, it you know, I, I yeah, I'm or, not sure. I mean, and I, I or one, well, I know too. It's it was the first non-Saturday morning produced right. animated show that was well, think, you know, like since the fifties. I guess you know, originally the a lot of the classic Hanna Barbera stuff ran on independent stations and technically yeah. was syndicated. Right, right. But you know, this like was yeah, and this well, is this, this is post Saturday morning and everything. You know, I, I think a lot of it was they the, the rule was lessened or loosened, and but they still had to make a lot of concessions to make it happen, which is why. The Master Universe cartoon had these lessons at the end because, you know, it's That's like, right. oh, if you're going to sell shit to kids, you have to tell them something nice. You have to, you're, you're now responsible for their moral well-being, so you're going to, you're going to tell these kids about the, you know, the importance of, uh, you know, brushing their teeth and eating apples and, and, yeah. you know, not, not letting, not peeing on their cat. Like, it, it became this really weird, you know, sort of, um. See, I'm not a I'm not a GI Joe guy. So what what's what's the line? Learning is half the battle, yeah. or winning is yeah. Half the battle. And all these cartoons in the 80s didn't that it, like you look now like you could you could end a cartoon with and kill your parents, kids, and it wouldn't matter. <laughs> you know? What are you making for people, Norton? It's okay. You can you can just be, I'll take one. Ooh, sure. Good. Thank you. Norton's like serving us as we're talking. Oh it's all right. God. It's after hours. We're allowed. What is that? <laughs> oh my god, that's good. That's that, that is that s'mores beer? Yeah. No. 
Good Lord. Just don't give me an IPA. No worries. It's all good. No, no. It's hard, it's hard to. You learn it in, in the, exactly in the best possible way. Um, well, I no, I, I like I said, I was too old. I was I was in high school when he when he man happened, oh, yeah. and I'm just like, yeah, whatever, good, good, that's cool. That would have been nice ten years ago. Oh well, but you guys were obviously you know the perfect age. Or were you guys even? Do you do you guys remember the first run, or were you guys? Did oh, yeah, you guys come yeah. in and reruns? Okay. Oh no, 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 no. Go on. I mean, we're, our 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 childhood so corresponds exactly to being the perfect marketing age for that cartoon because when I was five years old, my birthday, fifth birthday. My grandma got me uh, the He-Man figure and Battle Cat that came together, and I was just like, I don't know what this is, but the art on the box is amazing. It comes with this little comic book, and then I think within a week, I saw an advertisement for there being a cartoon of this thing. So, you know, the figures came first for for me, but then as kids, um, we lived in the country, and like, right. so we didn't have uh, neighbor kids to play with really uh, early on. So we, me and Steve and Brad, were always sort of together. So. Toys for us was like a big deal, you know, and like we could got we got really lost in the sort of the world aspect of it and the escape aspect of it, and also the for us like I, Steve and I have talked about this before, and this is kind of hilarious because we both said the same thing. Like when, when we were kids, my mom would be like, "Time to go to, to Shopko or something, or go to Kmart," and we would go into town. It was like a half hour adventure to get into town, and then we would be like, do you think they'll have new teeth, new guys? And we would just like feel, you know, psych each other. And then we'd get to the toy store and we'd run to the aisles and there'd be like a row of new oh, He-Man yeah. figures. It was, it was, that, that, was the, that was the beautiful thing back like back in the 80s. I said, I mean, there were, you had catalogs, right? You could, you could see, you could, you know, and on the back of the cards, you could see new characters coming out. But it's not like now when you have you know, four months leading up to the release of anything, a movie, it doesn't matter. You, you know, you already, you've seen it. You've seen previews, you've seen all that kind of stuff. And like, you know, the toys are out on, you know, everyone posts up on Facebook and you can go to any convention and see the toys, you know, Absolutely. six, seven months before they come out. So it's not that there's, there's not the same reaction walking in and seeing like squeeze for the first time and being like, what the fuck? He meant with long arms, you know, like, and not, and not having ever seen it before, not being able you know, yeah. absolutely having no comprehension of, you know, what that was or why, you know, and, and that, I think that was the beautiful thing. Cause there's so yeah. many options. There's so many moments of that where we were just blown away, like vehicles, like not ever, yeah. you know, like. You know, and I think it's so. So you'd see the vehicle, you'd see the toy first, then the cartoon would yeah, show up. I mean, like you know. Also, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we we yeah. love the cartoon, but like I, I mean, I know for myself, like I really like. I, I know I've watched all the cartoon, but it never stuck with me like the toys did. It never did. Like I mean, I you know, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the same. It didn't have that. You know, it was still it was great. It was great. Yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't the toys. You know, that was for me. It was all. Well, I think toys. what we liked about the toys was that, and this is what Master Universe did great, and a lot of other toy lines I think uh, haven't benefited from this exactly. Was that. You didn't need to know much about the figure. You got a toy, and it just said, "This is a bad guy, and he he's lined with these guys, and here's his special feature." And it was up to you, the rest, exactly, of it. Yeah. his personality, what he was like. Sure. And there was like this, all this imagination to it. I think and we really loved that aspect of it because it was all about, you know, this sort of escapist world. You know, a little bit of fantasy, a little bit of science fiction, and then. Anything that made a cool toy, they would say was cool. Like, there was yeah. no rules, right? It's just, as long as it's a cool toy, we don't give a shit. Yeah. If he's a cyborg guy with a snake, snake arms and whatever, who cares? If it's cool, it's, it's flies, you know? And so it, that sort of imagination, I think, uh, especially on a bunch of sort of, like, slightly weird kids in a small town in Wisconsin, <laughs> like, 
was a big deal for us. Well, and also having all the open space and stuff like that. That's sure. You know, yeah, I mean, that'd absolutely. be awesome for the action figures. Did oh, you have a lot of, like, I don't know, were you near, like, a, any type of body of water oh, yeah, or anything yeah, yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah. Or, we had, I mean, a swamp. swamp? Did you really? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had a toxic <laughs> waste dump. So we had giant woods. <laughs> I, I don't actually know. If, I don't know if we ever lost any. But we did. We lost a bunch of G.I. Joe's. Lots of G.I. Joe's. Like, we would lose G.I. Joe's in the woods by playing or, like, Dropping them in like sinkholes and stuff like that. But he man, I don't know if we ever lost He Man. We never lost the He Man. I don't think so. That's cool. Yeah, I don't think because they they were also really important to us. Because I, my parents would like get them for us, but we, we had to share our collection. So, so mostly we wouldn't have the same characters. Yeah, there know? were some figures we eat. We, we had all had numerous, but, like, but yeah, yeah, most of it was just one. Yeah, like we'd each get one. So we had them all together, but we didn't. You know, it, we so we had have. to play together to to. If we wanted all the figures, we had to play together. Which smart on my parents' part. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very absolutely. So yeah. So like, did you of the ones of your individual selves, even though you guys got you played together and stuff? Who were your favorite? Uh, obviously, He Man. But like, who are your favorite uh, figures? I mean, I, I always and I know Tim will say the same thing. Faker. I mean, Faker was always that was that toy blew me away as a kid because it was a blue He Man and it just. You know, so yeah. Figures my Steve favorite. Could, yeah, little Steve couldn't Hilarious. handle it. So. <laughs> Figures uh, my favorite. Tila's my other favorite. Yeah, you were always a Tila fan, and oh, I was yeah. like, I was like the, I, the earlier stuff was great, but I was really like the later series, like as a kid. So like, I liked Clamp Champ, and I liked like Blast Attack and Scare Glow. You know, like yeah. I was like the later, like the ones that were, and I hate to say a little bit more gimmicky. Like as they went on, they got more gimmicky. And were they all incorporated in the show? Not uh, really. No, no, not really. Like, okay. They didn't have the room to do... Yeah. yeah. Well, and I would imagine, too, that, and especially given how much time it takes to do animation and stuff like that, that it might be easier to crank out toys than it would... Yeah, it is. It yeah. Is. Reflect in the... You know, and I don't even know... How many years did the cartoon run? Just two. Two. Just two years. Yeah. But, like, 65 episodes yeah, per season. season. Exactly. So, yeah, like 130 episodes exactly. of He-Man. Because I remember reading that in Shimer's book. Because, again, five days a week. Yeah, and the yeah. toy line lasted, I mean, like, what? Six, five, five years. six years. So, like, I mean, you definitely had the... You know, the toy definitely lapped the cartoon, so you'd have it went on further. So you had the later stuff that wasn't in the cartoon, you know. And, yeah. and also, there was a weird thing too with filmation and, and and Mattel, where a lot of the characters they had in the cartoon never made it to the toy line, and this, and vice versa. So you didn't you had you didn't have a ton of, you know. Yeah, and I think that's what we liked about it too. Though, there's just so many different iterations as kids. You could watch the cartoon, but you could also read the mini comics, which were different than the the comics the Star Comics put out, oh, which exactly. was different yeah. than the. It the was DC comic, right? Because yeah. the one I remember, and maybe it was it was it a DC Presents? Yeah, that it was it was Superman, Superman. Superman and He Man together. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one I remember in particular. That's, that is like my favorite comic of all time. <laughs> is it? I was going to ask. Like, what are the best comic book adaptations of of Masters well, the, of the Universe? The original mini comics are my favorite. Yeah, and who wrote I, who wrote and drew? Don Glue drew it. I wrote it, and Alfredo Alcala. Oh, the original. Right. Alfredo Alcala, oh, yeah. really? I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah. He's one of my favorite artists. He's amazing. I love yeah. his stuff. Absolutely. And it was funny too, because they definitely like that was in the like the initial like the initial states of like just of of having human developed. So he looked he looked extremely. All the characters looked very different. He man was like just a barbarian, like a weird like caveman barbarian looking guy, and like yeah, you know, the story they, wasn't the same. Conan, wasn't the basically, same. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't the same, and like. You know, characters look very. I mean, everyone's very different. That's where they had the goddess and Tila. You know, Confucian it was just all this different. It wasn't. It was hadn't hit its stride yet. Quite. Prince enough. Adam wasn't originally. No, in I the, mean, in, he was not in the. In the that came from the one. that came from the cartoon. Because yeah. I think they wanted, didn't they? Want different interpretations. Of this. I, don't, I, we, I, we ooh, I like it. it. Okay, we the folklore, exactly the folklore breaks it. down here. Tell me. <laughs> well, okay, so there's. The original this is nerdy shit, but I'll, I can tell you. We're talking about He-Man. Okay, okay. That <laughs> we can dig it. The original concept <laughs> that Don Glute wrote into the he got they sent him the figures and they said make a story out of this. So Don's story was there was this high tech kingdom and it was attacked by a demon named Skeletor, 
and to save them, they needed to return. They needed to turn to a barbarian from the hills to come help them, and that was He-Man. And he came, and they gave him an armor that augmented his strength, and he would fight against Skeletor. And then, right. So that's the original story. Right. Then, at some point, um, DC gets the license to do the comic, and it was given to I believe it was Paul Kaniger, who or. And I'm, I don't Robert Kaniger, Robert Kaniger. I'm sorry, okay. Sergeant Sergeant Rock, or Paul Wonder Woman, or Wonder Woman. or Paul Kupperberg. Yes, Paul Kupperberg. Is Paul Kupperberg, awesome. Uh, right, okay. Recently, was doing uh, Life with Archie, the Married uh, comics. Yeah, that's right. So or it might have been Paul Kupperberg. I, I should probably find out this exactly. But it gets to that office, and he is the editor at the time of the Fourth World books and Shazam. So he gets the toys in a box, and they tell him to make up a story, and they've got a rough outline, and they say this is the world. And then that comic, basically, like, they sent him, as I understand it, the figure Zodak, uh, who was supposed to be a villain, and they sent him the chair from the Masters of the Universe. From the Casper uh, Grayskull Yeah, the yellow chair. Yeah. And he thought, well, that guy looks like he rides that chair, and he looks like Metron. So he became basically Metron. He was a Kirby sort of guy who was a watcher who drove around the cosmos and, like, watched events happen and didn't sure. intercede or whatever. Right, interfere or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then there was the idea that... There was a prince who was this sort of foppish goofball who got the power to turn into He-Man, which was sort of a take on Shazam, right. Captain Marvel. So, but then I've also heard that that was the pitch that Lou Scheimer made to Mattel, that he wanted there to be a kid, that to empower the kids, that they could be He-Man. Right. Um, I have the which, power. Which right. sounds like a Scheimer. Which sounds like sounds a Scheimer. Like a well, and I, and I know, I just, like I said, to prep to talk to you guys, I, I reread uh, that part of the book and stuff. And yeah, yeah that's what Scheimer says. Yeah. So I've heard that so story. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Um, I'd be interested to interview those guys about it sometime. But I think also people don't exactly remember what happened. But I think it's interesting either way that it's, it's sort of a fusion of a bunch of comic book ideas in an era where comic books weren't as sort of accepted by the mainstream as they are now. That made like this biggest, you know, this huge pop culture phenomenon, uh, the biggest action figure phenomenon, you know, of its era, outside of and you know Joe and Transformers and stuff and all that stuff too. But um, it's right there. It's on the Mount Rushmore of action yeah, figures. And, Absolutely, and all those things came from comic book writers. That's the most interesting thing. Transformers was all named by Marvel staffers, and GI Joe was developed Larry by Larry Hama, but yep. from a pitch for a Shield comic. So, I, I think that's really interesting that the comic books had such. A huge impact on kid pop culture at the time, and they're it's sort of unrecognized, you know. It's Absolutely, no, and I well, and that's why this book is, I think, excellent. What were the parts of the book that surprised you that they unearthed them, or or the the holy shits of of, of making the book? Where you're like, wow, I can't believe we got this. I mean, again, you're talking to people who have. I mean, we we've seen it at all. I mean, we literally. Like, yeah, okay, I mean, that's the thing. Is like, so I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I hate to no say surprises. It, but I, I mean, no, there. I mean, they're I surprises. They're surprises. They're surprises. I mean, I, I, I love the, uh, the stuff like the the unprodced and like the the prototype based stuff. And I mean, that that's always the stuff that I loved, you know. And like, but you've seen it before, you know. I, we, so, I, I'd say we've probably seen. I'd say ninety, a good ninety five percent of it before, maybe. There was you know, a there couple were, figures they sent us that we had never seen. That's true, and also remember though, we did get some of the. The uh, early like uh, paintings for the movie. Remember, we got like the, yeah, 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 yeah. conceptual art for the Ralph, McQuarrie. Ralph McQuarrie's art. Yeah, for, so he did. That, was yeah. it like like Star like the Star Wars oh, stuff where yeah. it's conceptual yeah, art and yeah, everything? Yeah, really? So, so like that ah. kind of stuff. Actually, a lot of that. Like his his Evil Lynn. Remember all this? Yeah, yeah we had never seen, seen those. Evil those blew our mind. But like, I mean, I was thinking like a lot of a lot of the uh, figure based stuff or like the unreleased stuff or the you know the concept stuff for toys that never made it and all that. Like, I mean, 
it, that's the stuff I love, and I'm so glad it's in the book. I mean, but it, it's been stuff, you know, I mean, a lot of it I'd seen already and stuff like that, but still, it was great to see again, and great to actually put it in the book, you know. I think my favorite thing I'd never seen was, there's two things right at the beginning. There's one, there's a marketing uh, department of Mattel oh, yeah. document, where they... Uh, it basically, we reprinted the whole thing, but it's this sort of uh, internal correspondence where they say, here's what boys were responding to when we asked them about what kind of toys they want to play with. It was like, they like things that are like powerful and like violent and like, you know. Like, yeah, they pick like keywords, right? Keywords. Like, and, keywords. And, uh, and I thought that was really interesting. And then the other one was that we got an excerpt from the original movie script that um, has handwriting over it from a Mattel executive. And then in the script, there's these severed heads um, mounted on spears. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. And there's a, a, a red circle around it that says, no severed heads. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's a kid's comic. Like too violent it's a kid's or something. too violent, yeah. yeah. Which I love because as someone who, you know, worked on G.I. Joe for years and um, has worked on a variety of stuff for licensors, I'm so used to that kind of notes, you know, and sometimes. But, I mean, I, I, it's funny to me that. That some writer for that some writer was yeah, like, yeah, this is gonna be a kid. This is a kid movie for a kid. Let's hide as many severed heads in the background. As <laughs> that he wrote it into the yeah, script. That he was just like, that they just try to sneak it in <laughs> while it's on set. Who wrote? Do you, like who wrote the original uh, movie script or anything? Oh, like was it? My, he had his name in my head. It, it's a guy who also wrote. He, he was kind of a hot yeah. Definitely search for it while we're talking. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's um, right. He was like a. But yeah, it's funny when I uh, Andy. Uh, let me just think of here. But you know, so the Master Universe movie. Um, the art book, we get to see a lot of the, the design stuff, which was really cool. But the um, uh, the, the like the Ralph McQuarrie stuff and all that was basically commissioned for a movie that didn't end up happening at yeah. another studio. Yeah. So by the time that the movie got to to um, uh, this canon group, it ended up being. Um, I figure it's a canon movie. Yeah, of course it's of a course fucking canon, canon movie. movie. Good it God. ended up being Bill Stout um, working with Mobius. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah, which was Jesus. pretty cool. Yeah, no shit. Bo- on both accounts. Yeah. Bill and, Scott, uh, I haven't had the guts to interview him yet. Oh, God. He's, He's so a cool good. guy, so I met I've, him. Yeah. I, yeah, I met him at an FX con, and he could have been nicer. I'm like, I am so not ready to talk to you, but you're like a genius, man. So the writer was Jesus. David O'Dell, who also wrote The Dark Crystal. Yeah. And oh, He's really? And Supergirl. Yeah. yeah. He wrote, writer? Yeah. Which, is, which explains He wrote the Supergirl Helen Slater movie, too. Yeah, he wrote the Supergirl Helen Slater. So. I saw Thank you, Dove. And yeah, Muppet movie, The Muppet Show. That explains though. That is. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get a Muppet in there. Let's make Gwildor. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, so, um, by, by the time, so we, we have some of the Bill Stout stuff, but I, I think Bill is actually going to put out uh, his own uh, design book for the Master. And the Stout stuff. stuff is incredible. That makes yeah. sense. And we what? interviewed him for the book, though. And Stout? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. He's a really cool guy. I hung out with him at a couple shows, and, uh, like, that was, you know, and he also worked on Return of the Living Dead, so I'm like, you designed everything I liked as a kid. Like, my whole brain comes from yeah. shit that you made, so... Um, but yeah, and also, you know, and one of the things we, we talked to um, the director of the film, Gary Goddard, about was that he really wanted Jack Kirby to be a designer in the movie. Wow. Uh, and so he, he did have Jack do some early sketches that we'll never see. 87, 88 for the movie? 87, that's the movie. 87? So okay, they started on. working on it in 85. <coughs> 85, they started working wow. on it. Wow. Um, and so a lot that of the McCoy stuff. Yeah, that's that's yeah. all the McCoy stuff. And then uh, by the time that they got, they got the green light, um, they they had Bill Status for their production guy. Okay, and they were because they couldn't get Kirby. They did look at a lot of Kirby. So I, I remember once as a kid, um, 
someone asked John Burton what his favorite adaptation of Kirby was, and he said the Master of the Universe movie. Interesting. So, because he thought it was a perfect. Oh yeah, movie. all that stuff. Yeah. That, all the the, uh, what are the the flying guys. Yeah, the Centurions. The Centurions and the Cosmic Key, all that stuff. Yes, Cosmic Key is... Um, well, sure. And, and Skeletor is basically Dark Side in the movie, right? I mean, yeah. he's got the anti-life equation, basically. It's... it's. I mean, and Godard was totally cool being like, yeah, that's exactly what we were trying to do, you know? Wow. Man. That, you know, and I, it begs the question, does Mattel see what Hasbro's been doing? And, I mean, are we, are we a year or two away from hearing that there's going to be a He-Man movie uh, coming up? Yeah, or, I mean, I think. You know, I guess have they made it known that it's in development, or yeah, well, we have some art in the book that is clearly like sort of, you know, concept art or art, sort of uh, inspiration art to yeah. try to get um, a movie thing. Um, but I mean, I think the, the the only problem there that they seem to have is is determining. I mean, it's, one, it's going to be a big budget movie, and right. the, the original Master Universe film is a low budget movie. Oh, yes, it is absolutely, and uh, <laughs> they want something bigger, and I think. You know, did John Carter scare them in yeah, terms yeah, exactly. of? I mean, that's the thing, yeah. and, and it's getting a studio to back something after John Carter's been tough. But Thor, I think, you know, yeah, like I think Thor too. Dark World had to make some guys at Mattel just go, "Holy shit, that's exactly what we want." Yeah. Well, that and obviously the even the Tolkien movies and stuff. You yeah. would think. I mean, you know, somewhere in between there. Yeah. Well, and certainly we'll see what happens with this new Conan movie that uh, Schwarzenegger's yeah, making, right? Exactly. Yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, I think. You know, one of the things they always sort of um, bristle against with He-Man is that it is inherently silly. Like, it's made to be, you know, and, like, even though I think Transformers as a movie is stupid as hell, people some reason take giant robots with weird, you know, overly detailed moose faces more seriously than they do a half-clothed uh, well, but, barbarian guy with, you know... Yeah, and in the case of Transformers, and, and really all this stuff, isn't it because the foreign market responds even more yeah. positive? I mean, I think that's why Pacific China, Rim... You know? yeah. yeah, honestly, yeah. I think that's why Pacific yeah. Rim... Well, that's the thing. I was talking uh, about the Valiant deal and how, you know, Chinese money is a, is a big part of that deal mm-hmm. and everything, and why not? And, yeah, and yeah. you know, no, that's... Fine. Who cares? Yeah, I mean great. that may work against He-Man because he's a basically a Teutonic ideal. He's like right. an Aryan superstar, <laughs> and like in the rest of the world, like that may not play. So I think yeah. I do think. What's the matter? Fun. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. blonde and white. So. Yeah. Wah wah. Yeah, we don't care. So that may be part of. I, it's interesting, but you know. Well, I well, and I was gonna say it's like you would think it's a a WWE star away from being made, basically. Yeah. yeah, you know John I, I, Cena would make a fine He Man, you yeah. know, if he gave him a little more hair. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. I don't know. I mean, I, I, and you know, I read the script that uh, Justin Marsh wrote for it, which called uh, Grace Call, I think, at the time, and it was, it, I mean, like they changed stuff, right? And I mean, he was the same guy that wrote the one of the drafts of Hack Slash. So it's like if they oh, both okay. get made, this would be so cool. <laughs> exactly. And then neither of them got made, but um. I think they're they're going to have to change stuff, and they know that. And like that's one thing that Steve and I have talked about is like our our interest in fandom in this stuff isn't such that we would be like. I, I mean, I would go see a He Man movie, but I, I I won't care about it like I would care about the old stuff because because I I well, like you, the old uh, stuff. well this yeah. is kind of what happened with you with GI Joe sure yeah, so yeah, yeah. so measure it against your excitement or interest yeah. in the first GI Joe before you know before right. it came out right right before well, we saw the trailer before we saw and I still haven't <laughs> seen the movie well the, you know and I worked on GI Joe and I wasn't a huge GI Joe fan as a kid but I did okay. like it and then I worked on GI Joe and I had a lot of enthusiasm for it and then I saw the movie and the movie is awful it's an awful awful movie the first movie 
They're both awful. Well, the second one, the, the second one has its moments. It does. Seriously. And Norton is laughing yeah. at one for the record. Come on, the second one is at least fun. At least the second one is fun. And Norton says they're both terrible. No, they're terrible. I'm not saying. No, no, no. Hold on. They're both shit. They're both terrible. But the second one is at least fun. The second yeah. one is. The second one, but I remember you saying that about the Come first on, one. Yeah, you, you guys are you guys are more than welcome to chime in in any of this. See, second one's watchable. Okay, that's what I meant. Watchable. It's boring. Second one's watchable. Second one is boring. The room is split. <laughs> yeah, I like I it. Think the thing is, like, I, you know, and I don't care because I, it, those things should be not, they're not made for me. That's fine. Right. And I think for Steve and I, at least for me, for sure, working on this book was sort of the ultimate cap on our childhood. Like, we got to do the thing. That is all the things we loved. We get to work on it together. We get to work on it at bars and have drinks. And then this is our cap. This exists. Exactly. It exists for all of time. Here's the cap on the end. You can do whatever you want after this. I, my affection is on display. I'm out. You know what I mean? Like, I like that about it. Like, I, I, I think uh, more fans should, should get an opportunity. <laughs> Hold on, Dove. No, I want to hear you, Dove. No, no, go in, Dove. Please be about Jed. I, I just feel like, Tim, uh, this defeats me talking about Joe, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say the the ninja fight on the on a mountaintop. Exactly right. It's more cool. than watchable. More than watchable. It's enjoyable. I go as far as saying enjoyable. I like it. Sean Dove, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> no, I, by all means, it's all right. Yeah. Yes. Ten minutes makes it watchable, though. I know. Oh, good God. Ten yeah. minutes in an hour and a half movie, says Norton, if you didn't hear. Unbelievable. <laughs> no, I liked it. I, I have no opinion. Like I said, I haven't seen them. So I, I don't know, you know. But I mean, it is, it, is, it is a thing, I think, for us to get to do this um, and make this book was like, you know, it's a, it's a nice sort of, it's funny, we, when we went home to our parents, and one of the things we talked about was like, uh, my mom said, well, it's nice to see that all the money we spent on those toys for your boys paid off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we tried to figure out what we were paid for the book and if it canceled it, well, out. It didn't, though, probably not, right? I think it did. Yeah, you but, think so? But we were trying to think, if, did that did that make more, was that more money than my parents spent on toys? Yeah, but then we should they give the money back to our parents? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, man, really. Oof. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> you pay mom and dad back. Yeah, now. here you hey, go. Though. Here's for all the toys you bought us. Exactly. No, I think so. I would think your careers have justified. Your, your, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, for sure. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. And especially how much of that, how much of, uh, our careers is based on the shit we played with as kids. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So it's a hardcover. Are they going to do a soft cover? Do, they, do you know? I don't think so. I mean, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, the, you know, the uh, book side of this is what Dark Horse is so good at. And, you know, the book was on the top ten ordered Amazon books yeah. for, like, months. So Fantastic. Um, and it's also, I mean, like, we, we did a book sign for it. It was just the enthusiasm for it is really great. I, every time I brought comps... You instantly sold in out in Chicago, or did you do one uh, out of? Out of uh, we did one Peoria. And, really? Uh, yeah, I sold out of them instantly. Every, anytime I bring the books anywhere, because I, I just think you know, like people, people. Even if you if you like He-Man at all, you're going to love the book. Even if you don't particularly care for it, it is an amazing art book. Yes, well, exactly. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, it's a great art book in general. Which is which is what I've heard from people who I mean, obviously He-Man fans, people we know who bought it. Automatically bought it, but people you know like who had not necessarily just known a He-Man or were too late, like you know grew up in the late '80s or something like that and passed it all stuff. They've said it's just a great art book, and that's what yeah. I think that's what we wanted. I mean, I mean that's what we, I think that's what we do all along too. That it was going to be, you know, I mean it's it's fun to look at the pictures. I mean it's yeah, it's a and, and to see something, I think one of the most interesting aspects of it is is that it's it's about the transition of an idea. From a sketch to something that made a bazillion dollars, exactly. Like, yeah, and to see. 
and try to understand like what about this sort of took off and and also to to, to see it, there wasn't a plan there wasn't an idea in place there was just reaction to fandom and there was like you know when they made those figures they didn't know that like oh so in a couple of months we're going to be having this great illustrator Earl Norum do these amazing paintings like oh, yeah. they were just reacting constantly and they're constantly making things and like <laughs> I think. Anybody who works in a creative field, or maybe it's just any field, you know how that goes. Once something starts, it's sort of you're on the ride with it, you know? And um, I think this book sort of shows that ride really yeah. well. That's excellent. No, that's really cool. Well, and I was going to say, too, that it, it almost, the art books like this replace what I always loved when we were talking before I started recording, um, that I had found this Comics Journal uh, issue from 1980, John Byrne uh, article in there. But one of the great things is they have, like, several pages of ads for portfolios yeah, and just those excellent, just, I mean, I have, uh, I was telling you guys, uh, I was a uh, bookstore uh, hopping in Chicago and went to this one store and, uh, my friend found a portfolio of barbarian style, uh, paperback cover art. And I didn't yeah. remember to look at the artist, but I mean, it was beautiful and they, you know, painted and they were yeah. you know, obviously prints, but good stuff. And then I showed him my Kevin Anderson or, uh, Brett Anderson, uh, Kazar oh, yeah, yeah. portfolio that I have and stuff like that. And I only have a, a couple, but man, just going through the magazine. And that's yeah. why, like, you know, you've got somebody like He Man, and then you've got all these amazing artists, and we rattled off a few of them. Yeah. That, you know, you just got their interpretations of the characters and yeah. everything. And yeah, it's just spectacular. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of these people um, ended up, it, it was an interesting combination of people who were already big artists and people who became big artists yep. that worked on the brand. So, you know, Bruce Tim was just some kid looking for some freelance yeah. work and had worked on some of the filmation stuff and got the job doing some of the mini comics. Um, Mark Texier, you know, just some they're guys looking for jobs. And then you get guys. Tex like, got it before he was doing Marvel stuff and everything. He was doing yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. That's funny. And then, uh, but then you get someone like uh, Bill William George or, or Earl Norm. These were really well established on book covers, and mm-hmm. they, they, these guys got the gigs doing this stuff. So you get these really established guys and these really. Uh, you know, um, and, and we got one. Is, is, is it Rudy Nebris or what's the one with the Skeletor with the evil in the Italian? Oh yeah, the, the, cover? the town. Yeah, that's right. Not Rudy Nebris. Uh, one of the, but it's one of the great Philippine artists. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Spin, or, okay. and a guy like Alfredo Cala who was well, already certainly. established at the yes. time. Um, but you get a lot of these really great artists, and and you know, it's interesting to see like the progression of um, of the interpretation and what stuck. So I think, yeah, I, for us, I think, uh, you know, getting to sort of validate and, and share that art that we thought was really influential but may have sort of been overlooked by culture at, at large, it's, it's, it's totally an honor. That's awesome. Well, tell me about the fandom because I know you guys have gone to He-Man conventions. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, that, that's the, thing, the thing is, is it's – they're so damn dedicated. It's insane. Like, it's, it's – I mean, I, I don't know if it's for other things because I guess there's nothing like really – this, you know, that I that I'm that close to that I that I've okay. seen. We're, as we're talking, Thanks. Art Balthazar's Migo meet is happening. I know, I know, that, I know, that, I know that. Actually, I, I know. I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to go out. To I'll be out there right? on Saturday. Absolutely, but, uh, man. Oh, we should go to that. Soon. I know. Yeah, well, Skokie uh, at the DoubleTree oh, Hotel yeah, for yeah, yeah, because yeah. I will. Yeah. I I will I be. Uh, I've friends from, from like other places coming in for this. I was like, oh, man, I got to go out there. Yeah. Nothing we, but Migos. I know. I well, because I'm such a newbie at this stuff. I don't know. I I didn't realize. I'm like, oh, you know. Is Ed Cato going to come? Because Ed has the Captain Action license. Yeah. And Artie's like, uh, actually, you know, there's kind of a little friction between the Mego guys and the Captain oh, Action guys. I had no idea. 
And then now I get it, and I certainly get it in terms of well, and then just well, yeah, the actual history that Migo did kind of put Captain Action out of business and everything. I had no idea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it's so weird, but yeah, yeah, I love that shit. Well, we, you know, we, I think going to, I, I've been to a lot of GI Joe cons and I've been to Transformers cons because I worked on those properties, and that fandom is is is. Larger uh, than the Masters Universe, fandom. sure, yeah, yeah, sure, which is interesting. Um, even though I think Masters Universe was bigger at the time. I okay, think. but well, but in in the case of like Joe, isn't it because you know you've got the guys like my age and stuff that played with the twelve inch yeah. figures, and then you've got the six inch fans. And yeah. Joe never went away. Yeah, Transformers never went away. He Man did go away for probably 15, 20 years. Yeah, right? yeah, until like early two thousand. Yeah, and then it, that wasn't a huge success. No. So, well, and you know. am I? And I was going to ask earlier when you mentioned the organization that helped you find stuff and everything. Is that Val Staples? Is he is Val part of that group? Uh, Emilio Santa Lucia is the guy that runs that one. Oh, okay. Um, Val runs um, the, the the convention, the the oh, he, University. Yeah, okay. Put on PowerCon. Power yeah. Very cool. Um, and the, and those guys were both. <laughs> Uh, very helpful for us, you know. And, and Val Staples, colorist extraordinaire. If, uh, you know, a notorious big He-Man fan. Oh yeah, I'm, he ran the website. He ran the yeah. website. He still runs the website. Oh, there you go. And Emiliano uh, San Lucia, who's the, one of the original artists on it. Um, and, and funny, it's funny. Was when we started doing uh, GI Joe at Devil's Do, those guys started doing Mass Universe comics uh, at, at uh, MV, MV Creation. And I remember yes. being like. You motherfuckers! They did let me do yeah. one cover. You do the cover. One lousy cover. Sore subject. I like it. <laughs> but we all, you know, despite being competitive with each other, we all um, maintained our friendship. <laughs> and, you know, what's also funny about that too is that you know the earliest MV Creations Mass Universe books, a lot of them were written by Robert Kirkman. Yeah. And, like, there's just so much funny little oh, shit yeah. that all comes with that stuff, you know. And also, Robert Kirkman pitched. Uh, the Walking Dead to, uh, or no, Invincible to Eric Stevenson at Josh Blaylock's first Devil's Due party on July 4th weekend uh, for Wizard really? True story. Wow. <laughs> wow. I was there. I saw it. There you hey. go. Little, little little things for you. Nice. But yeah, I don't know how this has to do with anything with He-Man. But it's all just like pop culture things are so small and yeah, sure. It's, sure, it's sure. funny. Everyone knows each other. We've all... That's, that's the thing, yeah. Like yeah the, the, we all came up together. Um even if some of them are, some of us are way richer. <laughs> These things happen. Stop bragging. Exactly. Yeah, yeah really. Who's richer? He's fanning himself with money right now. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous. I that revival rich money. One. Absolutely, man. No, well, we could transition into other uh, other uh, things if we if you yeah, want. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, you know uh, how are things going with revival? I'm here in revival country, of course. Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, we're in the home stretch to a degree of the story, so we're um, like I, like the last few issues. They're in that we're in that brief moment of it's easier to write right now until we get to the really hard shit. Okay, but, uh, but yeah, I think it, we're going we're going really well. I think the would you say you the know, end of Act Two and Act Three is coming? Yeah, I would say exactly that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm like, I, do you have an endpoint? Do you have an issue endpoint? What do you guys? You know, we're keeping it loose so that we don't force ourselves to an ending, but we know okay. kind of roughly. Um, where it, where it wraps up, and I think Mike's been doing some damn fine work in the last couple of issues. Uh, like, awesome. Well, he didn't do thirty one, but uh, he did thirty one. Uh, Emiliano Lizo, Emilio Lizo, sorry, uh, who stepped in from when Mike needed some time off, and uh, it's our first not Mike Norton issue. It wow. comes out this week, I believe, or next week maybe. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think like you know, with that, it's weird to do an image book because you you. You sort of you start big, and then you sort of have to deal with this 
trickle down of your monthly sales, but this surge of your trade sales? Yes. It's a weird job. Well, no, honestly, and this is, I, I keep coming back to this with yeah. you and Hickman and, and Nick Spencer. Yeah. Guys that have got these, you know, series that are going on, and it's like, okay, and, and I, the, my phrase is always, you know, the 100 bullets and, and scalped 80 issues to 100 bullets, you know, yeah. issues days. I don't know if that still makes sense or not. You know, uh, it does. It well. So the weird thing that we found is that um, that you, by design, transition your readers away from your monthly books. You, you because you put out a trade and then you put out a hardcover and they start going, well, shit, I'll just read it like this. But you, you, you need them to sell monthly books, otherwise right. you can't make this stuff. So, so you need this sort of weird balance, and it's it's hard to do. It is definitely hard to do. Um, you know, digital has really helped. I was going to ask how much of the ratio needs to be paper to digital. It doesn't matter what ratio it is, but um, it's been really interesting lately because digital has <coughs> sort of consistently been rising for us. And we our last quarter sales of digital were the highest we'd ever had. And what really amazed me about it was that a good percentage of our digital sales were digital trades. And in fact, a high percentage of it was our digital hardcover, which you don't get a hardcover. Yeah. <laughs> but I think people like a nice unit of things, and yeah, and you know, was well, there more? Is there more obviously in the hardcover? Content, is yeah, there more content in the hardcover versus? There is, there is. The, I mean, there's the, some more stuff, but okay. but um, you you know, part of the print price of it is the actual cardboard, yeah, exactly, inserted the, hardcover. But is it is it the so is it the same price digitally it as is. it is? Okay, yeah. but I mean, it's you know, and that, we have to do that because of. Um, you know, you don't want to screw retailers over, but right. But the, I, the it's it's interesting to me to watch the transition of of comic readership and to see, you know, if I bring comics of anything, print you know co- copies to a tra- con, I won't sell it. But if I bring omnibuses and trade, they'll all be gone, all of them. Sure. So, you know, it's definitely. I think we're all, to a degree, I think Image Comics will always will sort of be the porn of other media. In that all media follows what happened, like media follows what porn does, right? Porn switched to DVD, it all went DVD. Yeah. Like porn took went away, digital, and, yeah, it went yeah. digital. We're, or went streaming, yeah. Image Comics is going to be the we're the porn of comics. Like Marvel's starting going to see these same things happening. You know that that you know you get to a certain point in your monthly sales that are sort of tenable, but they're they're sort of low. But then you start you're transitioning your readers to the hardcovers and the. Um, the digital editions and 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 there's a lot of those people, you know, and a lot of them are are people that we didn't sell comics to 20 years ago, 10, five years ago, you know, they're women, they're kids, they're you know, it's, it's kind of amazing. I know, I'm always surprised. <laughs> are you noticing at the conventions, obviously, the new the new, the influx of new? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, the bigger the show you do, the more you notice the diversity of the crowd, but you know. Um, Certainly, some of our most enthusiastic people at C two E two were were women, um, and the women tend to skew younger. The men tend to skew a little older. Women tend to skew a little, a little younger, um, at least from what I can see from Hackslash and Revival readership. Um, but I, I think that means good for our job. I think that's I think that means we've got some years in us. Right. Yeah. Steve Hoax Hunters uh, made a transition from Image to uh, Heavy Metal. Yeah. And how's that going? Uh, great. I mean, Heavy Metal is. Uh, I mean, we are. We're the first book they put out, and it's. Uh, you know, we we kind of the trial run, and it's been really, really, really actually pretty seamless so far. So yeah. Who's running? Who's running Heavy Metal now? Oh, well, I mean, we 
were through Jeff Krellitz and uh, he so bought the magazine. Jeff, yeah, he bought the magazine from Eastman, right? Uh, yeah, well, they're still working. So that's, they're still. I mean, it's still. It's just basically. It's now being filtered through. Like Jeff has an absolutely amazing vision for what heavy metal can be. I mean, he. Under, oh, okay, he, he so realized, is he running it for for Kevin then? Basically, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I, I, we're not. You know, like there's a lot of the kind of the behind the scenes stuff that I I purposely don't want to. You know, get involved. Not that I don't want to discuss it with you. I just don't want to get involved in it. Sure. You know, but like we're not business guys. We're not business guys. But uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I just think Jeff realized just the potential that that heavy metal had. Like, I mean, the the just the backlog of absolute. I mean, how many years has that magazine have been around? Oh my like, god, yeah. And so, like, just all that stuff and, and just the, you know, I guess, I guess like, the backlog and, and the potential that it has going forward as, like, and, and luckily as as for, for Hoax Hunters, for a comic book publisher, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. How many issues have you done with them well, so far? Three? Doing, yeah, so the third issue actually comes out, I actually believe, this week. Right. Um, but we're doing, the first run is five issues, just to kind of, I mean, we're, we're going to be, keep going as far as we know, but it's just a five-issue thing just to kind of see how it goes. The it's, image model. Yeah, image the model, current you know, image and, model. And, five and, issues, trade, exactly. and then you come back. Yeah. And so Heavy Metal has a bunch of other books that they're planning to. So it's like we kind of set the set it, and then they've got another book coming out, I think, relatively soon, and then they'll have a couple after that. And then they do have like a little you know, projected outcome for how many books they want to have you know, in, in a year or two years or something like that. So I know Hulk's Hunters will always be in that mix, though. I mean, as of right now, it's just a five-issue arc we're doing, though. Excellent, and yeah. uh, uh, two have come out. Yeah, I mean, have you have you heard the response? Have you yeah, seen I mean, the difference in everything? Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I mean, it's we continued from where we left off at Image. It was just the same artist, so we had like you know we we didn't want to change it too much. So we're working with Christian Dabari again, who's been fantastic. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the response has been great. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a new story. It kind of, I mean, it, it, it did it. It continued, you know, from what we had. So it's not like an all new you know thing, but at least it's got. We kind of made sure. You know, to to leave it open for new readers and stuff like that. But yeah, the the response has been great so far. Excellent. I know Maurice's doing a million other uh, books as well right yeah, now. Yeah. And well, you know, or at least they're all coming. Out. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they're all coming out on top of each other <laughs> and everything. Has it uh, has it opened any you know opportunities for you that you want to pursue as far as other things? Or? Oh yeah. I mean, I've got a lot lot on the table. I mean, a lot of things I'm working on. Like I said, I mean, just my life has been so hectic with so many other jobs. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And plus, you're getting married. And I'm getting fall. married, and that's also so, a job. The job of getting married. I, I always feel like such an ass. I see you and, and Jenny Frizen. Congratulations Thank to you, you. both. Uh, but you. when I see you guys, someone's like, "Yeah, you're gonna go to the show." No, it's too close to the wedding. I'm like, "Of course." I know. Which is, which is which <laughs> is well, Cincinnati. Cincinnati's. Uh, yeah, I know the hang. I know that's, that's true. That's our tradition. That or New York. That in New York is always our. Which we can't go to either this year. We're not going to either this year. Uh, but yeah, like so. So I've got yeah, I've got other that's stuff hilarious. working. Um, but hopefully, I can guess. I mean, there's there's things. That, it'll just be next year. I'm guessing. I understand. Off everything to you know. I mean, I'll, I'll get stuff rolling and 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 on. But yeah. Okay. Well, in no part of Steve's early plan of life was being a comic book guy. Right. I was going to say. I yeah. sort of drug, drug, dragged him into it, well, and now like, yeah, I was like the I was like the, uh, the 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 making shit up. Right. I was like that, and I was I mean I was I always knew I could write. I was like the writing part about it, but yeah, I always just figured that would be something I just. I'm just gonna make shit up and have someone else write it or something like that. So I was like, ah, I don't. But that's not a job. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, well, that's one thing we had an early conversation about. Is like, just making shit up is not a tenable uh, career. Oh yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. you have to. You make shit up, then you got to follow through on it, right? So, and I think you know, uh, having Steve do Evil Ernie and him going, oh shit, writing comics is fucking fun. Oh yeah. I mean, like, that was the thing. That was the that was the first <laughs> thing where it's just kind of like I had to, you know, I mean, with Hulk Hunters and and like everything I had leading it up to it. You know, a lot of it was working with somebody, right? And like, even learning was just free range. And like, 
I think, yeah, I mean, it was. It was a, it was a monthly schedule, and I, it was great. It was, it was a shit ton of fun. And so, like, just having that and actually having enough for it, I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I could obviously do this, you know. So, guys, I do have some stuff. I mean, I'm working with Ryan Brown on some stuff. Uh, great. Which they're. Oh, I can see that. Oh, oh yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, your guys' sensibility certainly. Yeah, I can see yeah, that working out. So, we've. So, that, that's, that's something that would. But I'm guessing that'll be, you know. Probably next year. You know, okay. We'll get some stuff rolling. I mean, obviously, cool. it'll come out next year, but we'll probably start, you know, announcing, teasing it and stuff like that. But, but yeah, so. Very cool. Excellent. And, uh, Tim, uh, you know, God, uh, I'm amazed at, and pleased at you've always done a few things here and there for DC and Marvel, and it seems like now more than ever. Grayson, yeah. great response, man. Honestly, at a time when uh, the new face of DC is about to begin this week, uh, you know, I, I, I'll say it. I mean, really, the, a lot of what was part of the new 52 ultimately left me cold, Grayson being an exception. And I mean, you know, there's a fun and also, frankly, a concept that I wasn't sure yeah. was going to work. So everybody says, by the way, Tom and I of did course. a bunch of interviews and we're like so amazed because I said, Tom, how many times at a convention do you hear... I didn't want to like this, or I didn't think it would be any good. And he said, oh, all of them. Yeah. That's ex- that's me, too. Every person says that to me. But, um, but yeah, I think, like, you know, uh, th- we don't I, – I, I run this weird sort of thing where I'm like, man, I can't believe that book worked. And I'm also, then I'm also like, wait, we don't get enough credit for making a, a, a DC fun, old school – That's book. exactly my point. You know, I, I think we don't get enough credit for I it. I completely agree. And I think, no, Jimmy and Amanda yeah. do for, for Harley and, yeah. and Power Girl and all, and and all that gets stuff. And a lot of credit. And, and, Cam, and, yeah, Cam and the guys get yeah. it for Batgirl now. We should now. get credit for that, too. I think you're right. <laughs> I absolutely – no, I, I mean, that's the thing. You only had eight issues before the convergence. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. So, I think a lot of people – We had more than Batgirl did. So, but I love well, but, but you know, but yeah, but obviously, Batgirl made the big splash. Yeah, also, yeah, had the yeah. controversy that helped fuel. Hey, this is a fun book, and we don't want that cover associated yeah. with our fun yeah. book. Absolutely. So there's that too, and also ultimately, and the, and I think the reason why, one of the reasons why, is the tone of it. But also, much like when uh, Batman broke his back and Bane was Batman, and I still wanted to follow what Bruce Wayne was doing. Yeah, he's, uh, and. I was never that big of a Titans or Nightwing fan, but I've always loved Dick Grayson. And like, and I, I always go back to this because he can't come on my show anymore because he is too goddamn busy. Jeff Johns, it's like, why Dick Grayson? Why is it important? I remember when Infinite Crisis happened, and I'm like, what is it about Dick Grayson? And he's like, Dick is the most beloved character in the DC universe from not only the fan standpoint, but all the heroes. Yeah, Everybody loves Dick. Yeah, yeah, Everybody yeah. loves this guy. And yeah. it's true. And I, and I think the best writers bring that out. And you you do. You love him. You follow him. You, you know, and, and yeah. I know that group of the audience that literally grew up with him. Well, as soon as he was allowed to be, you know, a, a late teen, early 20s character and stuff. I mean, it, it started, to be honest, when I was a, when I was in college and stuff. And yeah. it continued on. So uh, I really do think there was about a 10-year <laughs> period of fans that obviously latched onto him. Yeah, and I think well. So the most interesting thing about Dick Grayson, and, and that, and that, it's it's sort of a, it's easy to overlook. But Dick was made always to be you, right? So when he was in bat, when he was in seventy uh, fifth anniversary, yeah, for Grayson, seventy five years ago when they Gone. put Dick in Batman, Dick was you as a kid reading Batman and going, I want to fucking come along with Batman. I want to be and that kid, Batman's kind best of, friend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so that kid always was the reader. He was the entry point. And then as time went on. Because he was the reader, um, in all the positions that he had, whether it was Teen Titans or, or anything else, he expressed the viewpoint of someone who had a, a sort of joy for this medium, this joy for these comics, joy for superheroes. And Dick had that 
because he was you. He loved it like you loved it. He wanted it. to be part of the lifestyle as well. Yes, exactly. And so I think, you know, Tom and I, when we first talked about what do you do with him in this situation, it was like, you know, we, we, we threw around some ideas, but I think we came uh, on the idea that Dick doesn't, Dick is all about the fact that he can adapt to anything, but Dick doesn't change, right? Dick is cool all the time. And he's, and we also, I think we, we said, you know, this is a character who is the only male superhero, I believe, that has a, I mean, I think some others have come up since that, but that has like a strong female uh, following and, and, and there's, a, there's a sort of, uh, you can play Dick for Beefcake, and that it's totally okay. Yes, and I, and, I uh, find that fascinating yeah. that a lot of feminists are very happy to point out yeah. how great Dick's ass is. Yeah, <laughs> but it should like, be that right. way. We should give... I have no problem with that. Well, the job should Why be should to give multiple different... Like, the problem with comics for a long time was we only presented one viewpoint. Absolutely. It was that uh, dudes are awesome and chicks are hot. Like, that's the, that's the thing we present. And if we can say, like... Look, here's a book that you can read if you have you're if you're interested in the female gaze. If you're interested in in um, in enjoying and exploiting a male character, because Tom and I have no problem doing that, and Mikhail Janin has no problem drawing that. Like <laughs> we're we're just a bunch of straight guys, but we understand that that's totally. I want to give you that book. You deserve that book. You know, sure. Um, and the book should be sexy. I think we we play Helena pretty sexy. I think we sure. play. Um, uh, the, the, Even the KG Beast was sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the book is supposed to be fun, freewheeling, and sexy. And um, and no, I, it's a spy know, book, of course. Yeah, and I, I, it, it turns out that putting Dick in a spy book is actually totally perfect. Like credit to Dan DiDio for saying that's the way it should be, <laughs> and it was just on Tom and I to convince you that that was a good idea. And I think we did it. I think you know. The trade comes out tomorrow of the first volume, mm-hmm. and I'm really interested to see like a new in, a new sort of readership that didn't buy comics is going to pick this thing up at Barnes and Noble and bookstores, and it's going to be a bunch of ladies. And I'm so interested to see the Amazon reviews, oh, and, yeah, because I think they're going to get it. I think they're going to get it in a way that maybe not everybody else got it. So, um, yeah, totally excited about it. And you know, uh, I just I just I had to write like two. Uh, four, 38 pages of Dick Grayson last week because I had to write a, a manual and all the stuff. Oh, an and you know, I could. It's so that's so fun for me. Like I love writing that character. And I was telling the story yesterday when I was doing a bunch of interviews. I remember when I was a kid. Speaking of you know, because we Steve and I always come back to toys. I think um, when I was a kid, my mom ordered me. I really wanted from for Christmas. I really wanted a Spider-Man in the Spider-Mobile. <laughs> and Migo made yeah, this. The yeah, sure, sure. So when I ordered yeah. it, I ordered from like Sears, I think, or something. And, it, and my mom ordered it, and it comes to me, and I didn't get a Spider-Man figure in it. It came with Hulk, Green Goblin, and Dick Grayson, yeah, and Robin. Robin. Yeah. Hilarious. So as a kid, I had uh, Robin driving around. In the Spider-Mobile. In the Spider-Mobile with the Hulk uh, uh, fighting Green Goblin, right? <laughs> and I thought it was so funny. I was thinking about it. I was talking to Tom about it. I was like, wait, I have Dick Grayson now in Spiral, which is their symbol is a web. That's true, <laughs> right? Oh, and like it, and uh, you know, and I have this sort of uh, uh, like I always put them in the high tech gear and crazy device and stuff. Like, holy shit, I've been should, working on this since I was four. You should give him like a, a giant green friend, <laughs> a giant green friend in there. grundy has got to get happy again, although yeah, he's not yeah. green; he's white. But you oh, know, yeah, just, they'll just should turn him green for some. Just figure out. There a, you oh, go. It's, it's Dick Grayson and Swamp Thing. That's there you go. Of course, it's Swamp Thing. Shaman. It's exactly. Drive around a buggy. <laughs> That's awesome. I was going to read the shit out of that comic. Oh, man. I didn't really talk to Tom about Spiral. And, I, yeah, what what is it like? And really, shame on me, given 
Tom's CIA background, what's it like creating a secret spy agency? Well, it's funny, so because Grant is the one that sort of came up with this notion of this spy agency that was so uh, so deep undercover that they didn't really know what they were doing. Like, I think that was kind of the joke. And then, and kind of had this sort of prison, the, the, the prisoner TV show vibe and all sort of stuff. Sure. And then he had a very, it had a very, uh, very British spin on it. And so when I think Tom and I come into it, we put a very American spin on it. And like, Clancy did it up? No, we actually did. They're, they're like full of middle management, and they don't really know. Like, they're, they're sort of like uh, pretentious. And like, I think we, we added this spin. More real world? Yeah, they're very real world. And like, all their devices come with like a warranty and like, you know, have these warnings on them. Like, this may cause uh, mind scrambling and like may, may, may liquidate your brain. Like, whatever. And we. I, I think that the cheekiness of it, which Grant added, we amped it up to like an American cheekiness. I think um, that's my favorite fucking thing about the book. <laughs> I love that shit. I love that like Spiral is insane, and they have this girls' school where they train assassins, and and that and that the girls are kind of badass and punk rock, and they they have to go to murder school, and that Dick is a professor there, and he, he has to go undercover as a gay gymnastics teacher, like. All the crazy shit in that book is my absolute favorite thing about that book. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I think, like, and, and people, I think, are finally starting to go, like, holy shit, comics, when they're fun, are awesome. Like, it, it, and Dick is not an angsty guy. He goes through shit. And then we take the book seriously, and he deals with terrible stuff. But the way Dick approaches it, what makes him Dick. Absolutely. You know? no, I, no, I agree with you. I think Snyder showed that uh, when Dick was Batman, and I think yeah. I think you guys are doing it now in this new new life that he's leading and everything. That's great, man. That's excellent. Uh, and also, now he is coming back to the regular DC universe. He's, he's yeah. coming out from the cold, basically. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, if you've read the recent issues of Batman, you know that there's a reason that when Dick calls home, no one picks up the phone now. So... We kind of deal with that. He's a spy out in the cold, and he has to find out what happened. So, oh, uh, so he is well, and that's true. The only guy that knew he was alive yeah. is now dead. Yeah, exactly. So we play with that a lot, and uh, that makes for excuse me, I drink a lot of beer, <laughs> but that makes for some really cool stuff. Like when we originally, you know, we sat down um, for a Batman summit, and Scott said, "Here's this thing I want to do with Batman," and we went, "Oh shit, that works perfect for our book because, you know." Dick, Dick's only contact back to his family, and his reason for doing this mission is now, now dead. Yeah, dead. So, so, so what is he? How does he reassess what he's doing and and validate and justify it? And we have this. We have a pretty good. I think there's a three issue arc that comes. It's nine, ten, eleven, and then we then we see Dick go back to Gotham. And I, so I think it's. Um, so nine, ten, eleven is getting to that point, and in twelve he comes back to Gotham. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, it's awesome. That's good. Wow. All right. Yeah. Good deal. No, that's great. And then they just announced uh, Deadpool versus Thanos. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's a bi month, a bi weekly book. Uh, and I wrote four issues. I'm, I'm already done. I wrote them all. Uh, but it's. Um, the, I love how Marvel, like, we were totally honest about this when they asked Axel Alonso why they made the series. He said, Oh, we looked at our trade sales, and anything that said Deadpool or Thanos. Uh, sold like crazy, so we said, "What if we put them together? It'll sell twice as much." <laughs> like he wasn't even lying about it, so I thought that's amazing. But they asked me about doing it because I had just written a Deadpool story for Guardians of Galaxy, uh, Guardians the team, team up, mm-hmm. yeah. And they're like, "You you can write Deadpool, right? Would you like to do this?" Who like, was Deadpool teamed up with in the Guardians team? Rock, Rocket Raccoon, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like that print money. Is did Mike? That's true. Out? He was supposed to draw. I think he's backing up, but, um, <laughs> but he's so busy. It sucks. It's, Mike is so busy. It's not even. But 
um, but the 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 the, uh, the idea of so I mean, and Steve can attest this. When I was a kid, when Infinity Gauntlet came out, I was like, "You guys have to read this." Oh, like, yeah. I love- <laughs> so Thanos has always been a personal favorite of mine because he's the big emo goth guy who's like, "Everything sucks. I worship death." Like, he's such a dick, yeah. you know. But he's done some great things. Like, he's had some great storylines, and I'll always love Infinity Gauntlet for giving me the scene, the cover of Thanos going, "Come and get me!" And oh, yeah. all the superheroes charging this guy. So in this book, Deadpool <laughs> is a total dickhead who. Doesn't give a sh- appears to not give a shit about anything. He doesn't fear death or anything. But you know, Thanos is this really serious, morose guy, and you stick them together, and it's high hijinks ensues. But I, I, I like try to make a really cosmic Marvel story. Like I wanted to do. To me, this is like my Infinity Gauntlet. Like I did the reverse. So basically, what happens is dead, the Mistress Death, the, the the female figure, goes missing, and if she's not around, no one could die. So the universe is like, at first everyone's like, this is awesome, we can't die. It's awesome, like revival, right? But then after that, <laughs> then it's like, wait, if we can't, wait, if, I, if, if nothing can die, then bacteria can't die, viruses can't die, uh, you can't eat any food, you can't eat any meat anyway, because you can't, so it's just chaos. It's like, all, at first it seems awesome, and then it's all chaos. And so Deadpool and Thanos have to go find her, and all the superheroes are like blaming Thanos. They think this Thanos did this. So they're running from the Guardians of the Galaxy and the Avengers, uh, and in the first issue, uh, Deadpool kills Doctor Doom. It's awesome. It's it's really good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I highly recommend it. It's one of the coolest things. And the artist Elmo Bondock is fucking awesome. So I'm really excited about it. That's cool. And this is uh, aside from Secret Wars, basically, or is it part of Secret Wars technically? Well, uh, I'm not exactly sure how all that works. Um, I read, I'm reading Secret Wars, I'm like, oh, how does this fit in? I don't know. <laughs> but it, it doesn't really necessarily matter. It definitely fits in well with, um, you know, whatever story Thanos has going on. And, and it fits in well with what they're doing with Deadpool after this. So it's all good. Okay. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. No, I'm sure, you know, I, Deadpool is another one of the, that's another culture that I'm just like, okay. You know, the thing is, and it was, well, I'm, I'm the perfect age for that character, too, because he came out when I was 17. But I always kind of, I thought he was all right. And but then I drew him uh, for a story that Mark Sumerak wrote for a, a Weapon X book, and then I got into it, and I was like, "Oh, this is fucking great!" Um, but writing that character combines my only two major skills, which is writing a totally stream of conscious bullshit dialogue, which I can do all day long, and also making guys who are told dicks. So like, <laughs> I could write Deadpool all fucking day, and uh, yeah, I was amazed at how much I like writing that character because he's just a piece of shit. But he's also like, I mean, the cool thing about that character is he's a terrible guy, but he has some moments of humanity that are up there with Cap or Spider-Man. Like, he occasionally does amazing, great things. But most of the rest of the time, he's a total fucking bastard. That's cool. That's such a great character, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I think it, it might be one of the better things I've ever done, I think. Awesome. That's yeah. cool. Now you remind me of the Ant-Man movie coming up, given your miniseries with Ant-Man. And yeah, that no one read I read it. Thanks, John. I read it absolutely, man. No, that's what made me think of it and stuff. And to to, to ask you and everything, both of you, are you guys? Are you guys? Are you psyched for the Ant Man movie? Yeah. Are you, or is it like, yeah, okay? Oh, I love Ant Man. I'm super excited about that. And I think they took the right tone. They made a funny movie. Like, absolutely. Ant Man should be funny. And I, I would agree. Kirkman, with that. Kirkman Hester series, which I, mine was the sequel to, right. was the exact right tone for that character. So I'm fucking. I'm psyched for. It. I love Paul Rudd. 
He'll be good. Yeah, I think, right. I think he'll be a good Scott Lang. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I think he'd make a better Aaron O'Grady. But yeah, I, that's the only thing about that movie I'm not crazy is that, about. Am I, am I saying, is it Aaron O'Grady? Eric. Eric it should have been okay. Eric O'Grady. I, Scott Lang is interesting-ish, but I personally, I think Eric is funnier. You know, Was I... The, the character? Yeah. yeah I, don't, the, I know nothing about it. There's three Ant-Mans. There's Hank yeah. Sam, yeah, no, Scott Hank Lang, Hank. and then Eric O'Grady. Huh. The one I wrote was Eric O'Grady. He's, he's like a terrible guy. But Scott Lang was just a sort of ex. But I think they combined sort of the characters and they made it Scott Lang. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because as you guys were saying, you were the right age for He Man and stuff. I remember being probably twelve when the Scott Lang version oh, really? premiered and everything. Was it Burn? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't Burn draw the, that yeah, original yeah, story? Yeah. No, I remember that original yeah. story. I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I, I think the idea of Ant Man. I mean, when Kirby was doing it, the inventiveness of Ant-Man was all about, you know, the page design and having these massive figures and this tiny guy. And, sure. And, um, well, and it was all Incredible Shrinking Man. I mean, it yeah, comes from yeah, that Grant yeah. Williams, you know, original yeah. 50s sci-fi movie and everything. Absolutely. And I think as time has gone on, Ant-Man was always kind of shit on because people were like, it was gay power. You know, <laughs> whatever, those guys are dicks. But that's a fucking cool power. And if you play it right, like Kirby did, you get something awesome. So I... I from the previews I've seen in that movie, you know, the, the scene where they're fighting on that train Oh, set. the train. Hilarious, yeah. So funny. Yeah. Like, and I think that's the right attitude. That's Absolutely. the right take on it. So. No, I agree. And I'm also interested to see, much in the same way with Thor The Dark World, where the movie starts with one director, it, it, you know, and Eric Wright started with it. It'll be interesting to see how much of Eric Wright's stuff is still there. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know. Yeah. And also, just the weirdness of Whedon, the way he left... Uh, the, the the Age of Ultron project and just his kind of a Marvel movies are at a very interesting point now where yeah. it's like you know um, <laughs> clearly producer driven. There's nothing wrong with that in the success shows yeah. and and, it's, and you're you're you are leading a franchise. So the franchise is bigger than the directors. We've seen that with Star Wars. We've yeah. seen that with Star Trek. You yeah. know a lot of these other you know the Potter movies and stuff like that. I mean this isn't new, yeah. but it is interesting to see and especially characters that we're all so familiar with to watch them you know live on the screen and and what the end product is and and again that's like because i even uh, jason wood from uh, 11 o'clock comics was like i think this is going to be a bomb and i'm like i don't think it's going to be a bomb i don't think it's going to do avengers money no but i don't think they're expecting it to do avengers money but i think no, it's going to do yeah. frankly i think it will do like thor money i do too <laughs> you know I, I, but smart the marvel the thing that they've made so smart is that putting the Marvel name on is what makes you see it, right? Guardians of the Galaxy is an unknown quantity in the rest of the <laughs> world, but I don't think they can make a bomb at this point. I think they're showing, like, it's what every movie studio wishes they had for years. And Marvel was the first person to do it because they did it in comics first. Is that if you put, if you say it's a Marvel story, you make, you're, you're sort of like making this army of fans who are like, screw DC, Marvel. Like, you're, you're making them choose sides, and people fucking love to choose sides. You know, see Democrats and Republicans. People yeah. love choosing <laughs> yeah. sides. Yes, they do. So this notion, like, the fact that, I mean, I, I will meet people who are not comic fans, have never read a comic in their life, and I'll, I'll be sitting in the bar or whatever, and I'll be talking to them, and then, like, a trailer will come up for a Marvel movie because it's inevitable that there will be one, and they will say, what, what do you like better, Marvel or DC? Like, really? That's, yeah. But people love that. That's they, lo they love that sort of idea. Like, to me, uh, you know, I go to both. Yeah, I, yeah. I go to both. And yeah. I, lo I love DC television and DC, you know, I mean, yeah, my, sure. you know, Marvel's just getting started. And I mean, you know, hey, Daredevil, 
incredible. You guys, have you guys finished it? I yeah. have not. He, I watched yeah, it. I, I, I love the first six. I'm episodes, halfway as well, and I didn't love the last six episodes. Interesting because I just finished seven, Scott Glenn, and yeah. um, you know, and how far are you? I think we're at like maybe episode four. Oh, okay, five ish. Boy, you're okay. right. So you got a couple yeah. to go. But yeah, I, no, I and I just told a friend who was kind of, and I was too. I, I loved the first two episodes. They're the best. And then, the and then, yeah, and then, and then I'm like, yeah, and it's like, but I stuck with it, and I knew once you know Fisk was introduced that it was going to get interesting. Yeah. And now that Scott Glenn, you know, came in, it was like, okay, cool. Yeah, you know, I liked it. I I definitely recommend it. I just I think, uh, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, the other Goddard. Uh, Drew Goddard. Drew Goddard. He had the the voice. You know that I was really interested in that 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 second episode with the fight scene in the hallway. Oh my god, yeah! Like that's I think what makes Daredevil interesting is that you he's a guy who gets the shit kicked out of him. He, yes, you know, and like in the end, I think the show ended up being about justifying the costume. Don't do that. Who cares? Just say he got a costume. I don't give a shit. Like this sort of weird thing we have to over justify why it's silly. Well, like, but they also couldn't. Fuck? But they also couldn't shoot their whole load and and do what has become I think. The classic trope of these every season is its own story. Yeah. So you can't really resolve the Kingpin story. No. You know. Yeah, but I'm fine so. with that. But I, I, I think it just bums me out that in the end it was sort of like we have to give you a reason why this is a superhero show. Like, who cares? I don't yeah. care. Like, you could have had him stepping in that red goddamn suit the first episode because he'd be like, I'm letting my devil out. I don't give it. Oh, great. But I just want it to be, you know, a, a sort of interesting. Tim's he, like, shut up. Shut up. Steve's like, shut up. Yeah. Shut up. Exactly. I haven't seen this. Shut up. What? In a suit? I, f- I figure you're aware yeah. of the internet. Exactly. Yeah. And believe me, I'm, I'm the same way, man. It's like, yeah, 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 I know, I know. Exactly. You're probably okay. I know what's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, yeah, it's good. I just think it's, it's tough. And there's, there's, over, there's a need to over-explain superheroes in any media but comic books. But just learn from us. Because you know what we figured out? No one gives a fuck. He wears a red suit. Cuz. Cuz it's awesome. Shut the fuck up. Hey, man. Yeah, but you, you, know I mean? you know, don't forget a lot of these guys that are making this stuff came from shows where it wasn't about the costumes. It was like show the abilities and make them plain clothes. All those, all the Daredevil guys. Goddard's like that. Denite's like that. Uh, you know, going back to even like Flash guys and stuff. I mean, I you know, just the 90s. All, you know, it was really yeah. tough. I, I Old habits, man. Everyone's everyone's paranoid about that shit. I, shouldn't you know, be, I, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It's it's a fucking superhero show. Get over it. <laughs> like in comics, we don't we don't spend like why does Daryl wear a red suit? I don't know. It's cool. It's, exactly. It's good on the page. Fuck you. I don't care. You know, like <laughs> yeah, but and I but I also like Melvin Potter, and I'm glad that Melvin Potter is part of the story and everything. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll give I'll give you all that. I I just that's my one fucking. Nice That's my giant. <laughs> what about the what about Arrow and Flash and Shield and all those I, other shows? I we watched anyways. we watched the episode of Flash right when we were back. Oh yeah, that was pretty good. It was great. I think Which, we watched the first episode. Maybe the first. Oh, okay. No, it wasn't. No. It was one plastique. Yeah. Was oh, okay, plastic. that's a good one. Yeah, that's really, a good one. I mean, honestly, I watched one episode. I was like, I can, I, I can I, see why. I, I got to tell you, for me with Flash, first half of the season, I was like, okay. Yeah. When it came back from its <laughs> spring hiatus and everything through the end of the season, it was like, oh my god, yeah, yeah, and I mean, and it ends really well. And it's also not ashamed of being a superhero show. That's absolutely, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, Arrow was great, and I liked yeah. Razak Gul being part of Arrow's world. I thought that was fantastic, uh, and happy for Greg Rucka and uh, Nissa getting uh, her due, uh, the the daughter that uh, Greg created oh, with yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. with Klaus Jansen. I want to say, actually, yeah. if I remember correctly. Uh, the other uh, Al Ghul's daughter. Yeah. Exactly. The other, yeah, the other daughter of Al Ghul. The other <laughs> demon's head. Um, 
Yeah, and you know, and I'll, Shield Shield did fine, and it's funny how they're using Shield to kind of explain the Inhumans and kind of yeah. you know set up that yeah. non mutant status quo of everything. It's all right. Uh, let's erase mutant and say Inhuman. Yeah, yeah. I for mean, everything. Hey, it's a Kirby idea. I'm fine with it. Oh, I'm co- I'm fine with it too. Yeah. It, it is what it is, which it's makes it interesting. Idea. That back to Deadpool and Thanos and everything that because Fox is running Deadpool from the movie standpoint, yeah, and those comics ha- haven't stopped any, you know, or yeah, like De- Deadpool's got a weird, you know, I, he's got some kind of, um, you know, like I, I think he has such a, a strong fan base, and that I guess Marvel must own the mar- maybe they just own the, the marketing or the licensing to it. I don't know, but like, there's no sort of danger of Deadpool not. Also, I think exploited by Marvel. Yeah. No, no. When I say exploit, I always say this. When I say exploited, you mean a good I, way? Yeah. Exactly. I mean literally the business way, not not with any judgment of yeah, negative. Yeah, yeah. You know. And also, it was incredible the way they kind of like. Remember, we saw that T-shirt. That T-shirt yeah, with the Secret Wars, Wars T-shirt when they when they took out characters. Yeah, we saw right. it at Walmart. So right, at Walmart, yeah. and, and it kind of did, blew my mind. Did you guys Did you guys notice it right away? They, we're yeah. talking about how they've taken out the the, the X-Men and 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 the Fantastic Four. I think it's incredible because you have. I mean this. This characters that have been around since the '60s, you have these these established characters that you're kind of like, eh. So other characters are like, yeah, Black Panther's kind of like Wolverine. Let's put him in instead. But for some odd reason, Deadpool has only been around for what twenty years? years? Yeah, yeah twenty three like, years. For some reason, there's you. It's seemingly you can't replace him, right? Like, and that which is and good. that I might think, be I, it. I think that might maybe, be it. Right? Because we said it's, there. it's all these people are grew up on that, right? There's people who are now like when we started. I do think the largest population right now for all these people are, I think it is truly probably our generation, probably the 32, maybe mid 50 type. These people who grew up in comics in the 80s and 90s. I think mm-hmm. that's I think that's the We're big not population. The well, no, 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 but I, no, no, no. I know that, but I think I think the maybe the most like the, the biggest segment of the audience. I don't think we are. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. So. Well, and I and I think a lot of us are aging out of the habit. And I do think that... See, you say the new crop coming in. They're in the new, the new they're crop. The new, they're so the there new, is a new crop. They're the, yeah, absolutely. Okay. There so, is a new crop. But you think that new yeah. crop, though, for them, though, their history is Deadpool. Their history, yeah. of, their history looking back, is Deadpool, or our history is Wolverine, which is Colossus sure. and stuff like this. And, and for... We're maybe more, I don't know, like, having someone say, like, eh, Wolverine no more, here's Black Panther... Like, they don't care. I'm like, but I, I, I don't care. I mean, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Like, that's fine. I mean, like, yeah, Wolverine's great, but like, yeah, when, it's cool Black Panther. But like, they don't, they don't, they, they really don't, don't care. When the trailer for the Deadpool movie comes out, and like Pearl Mutter literally sees it, maybe, maybe things will change because it seems like that's what happened with. To be very crass, but it does seem like that's what basically happened. Was the big boss is like. Uh, wait a minute. Oh, they're they're, they're making they're making these movies, and we don't we don't make any money. Why are we wasting our money on this? Shit, and and it's fair because again, it's I mean that's the thing. Comic book fans, we all we all want it to be the other way around, but the reality is, you know, the comics are the the smaller end of the of the oh, yeah, of absolutely. the profit chain. It, that's just the way it is. I mean, relatively speaking, I, I always think. You know, the, Tell me. Well, no, counter okay. me. Well, I, I will just say this. You don't have to um, agree with me, yeah? Please. No, I'm not saying that. But so I think there's this there's a perception that that the comics don't make a lot of money, and trust me, they make a lot of money. Oh, I believe. Like, well, so I think there's this perception that like people are like, oh, they just publish comics. But, but, but publishing doesn't make the money that television and film makes. Television and film costs a lot more. That's true too. Maybe, but maybe don't. Though, too, but again, and you're right. And no, and you're right about that. Absolutely, yeah. that. You do have to spend a lot of money to make a lot of money in television and in film. Yeah, but you but you still make more than in publishing. I well okay, and it does feed yes. the licenses. 
Yeah. More. So, but I think there's this weird perception that like that comics are sort of like loss leaders or that they are important to to these corporations. And like, no, they are. Trust me. Like, I know the numbers on. I know what it takes to make money on an Image Comics. I know what it takes <laughs> to make money on an indie book. So I can look at Marvel numbers and I can tell you that's just making some money. Like, those trades of, of Scott Snyder's Batman are making some fucking money. So Great. Like, so the notion Great. that comics aren't um, important to their publishing plan or to their to their overall plan, their overall business plan, is not true. Okay. Okay. It's not true at all. Okay. Um. Because book publishers who publish novels would kill for comics. Absolutely, no, I agree with that. Kill for them. I agree with that. So, so this idea sometimes I think you just have to like you have to remind people, and I, I, I don't know, it, it bothers me because I'll see people who I don't think know to be like, oh yeah, they're like they'll think that a company's doing something because they don't give a shit about the comics or if they sell. It's like that's not just true. Just put out a comic to make a movie or something, right? right? Which like, is yeah. not true. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, some, yeah. some do, but I'm saying for the most Well, no. Well, yeah. yes. A lot of people do movie pitch comics. Yes. That's bullshit. But, but, it, but it's, it's important to exist. remember yeah. that these things are very important to that company's bottom line and that they wouldn't do them if they weren't and that, um, you know, the comics are actually in a lot of ways probably... Uh, more profitable than they were in some cases before because of the lack of returns and the lack uh, and because of the addition of digital and trade paperbacks. So everybody, I could always see people be like, they used to cancel a book at three hundred sixty-five thousand copies. Like, yeah, way different fucking market, man. That was when they were ordering shit for newsstands. They had returns. They didn't. Once a book was out, it was it. That was it. That was the last time you sold that fucking book. One time you sold it for one month and it was gone. Now, you might sell that book 40 times over because you'll put it in a trade. You'll put yeah. it in digital. It's to, uh, like the, the lack of understanding of the fact that, yeah, because that's a different market, is just frustrates the fuck out of me. You know, like, I, I, it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. No, honestly, this is the kind of information that I want in there well, so that okay. people are be- better educated. Okay, so people will be like, who's canceled book three or six, five thousand? There was 11 Marvel comics at the time and 15 DC comics, okay? Right. That's it. Some right. Harvey books, some associated, some Archie books. Dell. DC books. Some Dell books. But everything was very specific. You had your EC, yeah. you had your horror. You had, like, so let's say right. Dell, DC, Dell was yeah, all the Dell. funny books, absolutely. Exactly. Dell so and maybe, Whitman was the weird... UFO stuff or the Whitman. licensed stuff. Yeah, Whitman and, and Gold so let's Key, say you know? maybe yeah. on the newsstand you were competing for, let's say, 90 spots. Okay, 90, okay? Uh-huh. Now, each company does about no, yeah. 60 to sixty books, probably. Sometimes more than that. Image, I think, does 70 on, a, on a, some months. We're talking about about 360, let's say that's a low end, to 420 slots oh, sure. a month. Sure. Okay, plus the back catalog. plus all that. So... We're dispersing the wealth over, a, a, okay? And yes, there are some books that sell very, very poorly. That's always been true. That, is, that has certainly always been true. But the notion that, like, that it was so much better back in the day is not true. It's not fucking true. Like, yes, they sold 365,000 copies of Fantastic Four, and then they returned who knows how many without covers, you know, yeah, and right. the half cut covers. Half yeah, cut yeah, covers. yeah. I have a ton of those. That's sure, right. you do. I buy a ton of those. Oh yeah. my god, yeah. Oh, dude, they're my, cheap as shit, man. Reader um, copies. Dude. I, I love exactly. Reader copies. No, I remember. 
But so well, a lot of times that same store that would repurpose books under Whitman's emblem and stuff would would have the bag of comics, yeah. and they all had the they covers missing co- and yeah, stuff. Yeah, covers, sure, and covers, and absolutely. Yeah. And you can still buy those to this day, oh, by yeah. the way, at various gas stations around America. We found we found some. Really, we did. We yeah. found newer newer comics that yeah. were like that. Yeah, it was '90s stuff. It was '90s stuff, or maybe hilarious. Valiant stuff. and yeah. Malibu stuff. But it was like bagged together. It was like what five comics Malibu or something stuff. like that. Yeah, it was Malibu. Yeah, that's right. It was Ultraverse. It was Ultraverse and Valiant comics. Oh, that's that's somebody that's. Bagging a bunch of that stuff that's sitting in, in a, a warehouse. warehouse. I have a memorabilia friend who's like, "Hey, man, I got a line on a bunch of comics." I'm like, "What years?" He's like, "90." I'm like, "That's all." Exactly. We're done talking. I'm like, "Do not buy them." Really? I'm like, "Yeah, do not buy them." They were shit. They were, and you know and they used to overprint stuff, and now oh, things are you. made almost to order. And so, yes, yes. I just want to point that out. I want people to think about that because I feel like it's much misunderstood. No, I'm glad you said it. Right, good. No, hey, man. I this is why I try to talk to you guys and especially since you're you know doing your own thing as well and i mean and that's why i think this era of comics is it's most interesting because even comparing it to like the 80s black and white period and stuff like that there there just seems to be more of a sense of all right let's print what we need and and like you said the repurposing of it and certainly the the trade and digital markets yeah things that just didn't yeah did not exist before do and, you know, yeah, give you that infinite bush, bookshelf of, well, this never needs to be out of print. Exactly. And yeah. out of demand. Exactly. So so that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and also, I think, you know, like, there's a, there's a tendency to always, I think, among fans and to sort of poo-poo the era that you live in and feel kind of like, you know, that... The, 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 it was you're, better you're not, back then. It was better back then. And, 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 and no, that's not true. Actually, we live in one of the best times for entertainment... Uh, oh, no of all time, uh, for sure, and also in comics specifically, um, the diversity is so high right now. The audience diversity is so high. Uh, in, you know, it's a golden era. Like, let's not shit on it. Let's let's celebrate it and make it last. All right. Yeah. Now, now you uh, you've got a wedding coming up, so you're very hey. busy. Yeah. But what about uh, conventions for you? Uh, you've been you just you guys just got back, or you got just got back from I know Peoria and a few other shows that you've done recently. Or... We got Memphis this weekend, and then um, I'm doing San Diego, but I'm going to do Barcon. I'm going to do Beer Beer Can Island. Hilarious! I'm just going to sit and invite people to sit in my, <laughs> at the bar with me. Well, let us know where you are, and we'll yeah, come yeah. See you. Uh, and then I'm going to do uh, ALA American Library Association. Is that here? Uh, uh, San Francisco. Oh, San Francisco this year. Yeah. Oh, very nice. And then uh, I'll be at uh, Stockton, California, uh, Connecticut Con. When is uh, Connecticut? Those are all August. Oh, okay. And then, uh, yeah, and then I think that's mostly my concept. You won't, you won't make it to Cincinnati for the same reason. No, he's going to Cincinnati. Can. No, oh, you are going to Cincinnati. I'm going to my wedding. <laughs> exactly. Hey, she's, a, yeah. she's a comic. That's <laughs> she's she's a comic. Yeah, I chose comics. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah I chose comics. There you go. Yeah. Let's start the rumor anyway. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah, yeah, the yeah. Why not? Yeah, he will not be there. <laughs> Very All, nice. None of our guests will be there. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, that's though. hilarious. I'm sorry. You should, yeah. yeah. Cincinnati Comic Con robbed you of all your guests. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you gotta get other friends, man. Exactly. Well, I'm, I'll miss no, you. Cincinnati's <laughs> actually the weekend before, so it's not. It's not. The that's same good. Weekend. But that might be your badge party. So. Oh yeah. No, no. We'll do it earlier than that. All right. We'll, we'll do talk. All right. Yeah. Well, enjoy the summer. Yes, thank yeah, you, John. Uh, and too, John, and yeah. no, uh, congratulations on the book and books, uh, both individually and collectively. Thank you. As the train pulls by. Yeah. Yes. No, no. And, Very uh, Chicago moment when our train blows by. That's absolutely true. And uh, now we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, oh, John. Great, John. Yeah. Thank you. Nice chat with uh, Tim and Steve Seeley. I hope you enjoyed today's word balloon. Uh, it's all brought to you by InStockTrades at InStockTrades.com. 
We can go through some of the other great deals that are happening at in-stock trades at prices you will not believe. You can get the Amazing Spider-Man Ultimate Newspaper Comics from uh, 1977 to 79, Volume 1. God, I remember, sadly, I remember when this thing was actually coming out. Uh, Stanley writing, John Romina Sr., Doing the art, unbelievable, and uh, what a great uh, syndicated comic strip. Can't believe it took that long for uh, there to be a Spider-Man newspaper strip, but it was pretty damn cool. Uh, it's 30% off, just uh, $34.99. You can get House of Hem, Fred Hembeck. Uh, really funny stuff, uh, collecting a lot of uh, his great moments at uh, Marvel, including the Fantastic Four roast, Fred Hembeck destroys the Marvel Universe, uh, various other uh, great things from Fred Hembeck. Man, I got to get this guy on sometime. I, I really, not only do I love his art, but I'm a big fan of his uh, taste in old movies and stuff. Well, you can get it at 42% off. It's just $4.63. Uh, you can get Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files, Volume 10. Uh, it's 25% off. It's just $14.99. There's the Star Wars Marvel Years Omnibus, Volume 2. And, uh, man, I'll tell you that uh, collecting Star Wars uh, number 45 through uh, 78 and the second annual, 50% off. It's just $62.50. And uh, there's a lot more waiting for you. If you go to InStockTrades.com, you'll find great deals. Don't forget, if your uh, order is $50 or more, you'll receive free shipping. And uh, they treat their product well, and they give you great prices. InStockTrades.com. Thanks again for listening to today's Word Balloon. Uh, look forward to more great uh, conversation coming up throughout the month of June. Uh, we're in between uh, some conventions before San Diego. So as we get closer, we'll give you some information on what Word Balloon will be doing out at Comic-Con. But I will be there. I hope to see you out there. That's my next show. As I'm recording this, uh, it's Special Edition Weekend in New York. And the previous week was Phoenix. So uh, everyone's been on the road. And uh, I look forward to uh, getting uh, more conversation to you in the days ahead. So uh, keep tuned, and thanks again for listening today. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2015.